Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Like, I remember one time I did this uh, show with, with Joe Para, and it was called the Celebrity Something Experience, and we rented a limo, and so we each did half an hour, and during the half an hour, the other person would take out groups of seven from Union Hall and take them on a limo ride around the neighborhood. And so, like, we did it until everybody had, had gotten yeah. a chance to go in the limo. And then I was doing my half hour, and then Joe takes out the last group of seven. And then he he took them to McDonald's, and then he left them there. <laughs> and he paid the limo. The limo driver was told to leave them there. And the McDonald's, it was on Vanderbilt. It's not that close these people were angry <laughs> and they they paid for a show and then they got dropped off miles away from their friends and like this they walked back people had walked back to union hall and they were like what the hell was wrong with you Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a guest comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes and then discusses how, and more importantly, why they wrote it. You know, you know I say that at the top of like every episode, but more often than not, that is not exactly the case. Uh, comedians these days don't fit so neatly into that box, which brings me to this week's episode with my friend Joe Firestone. I've known and loved Joe's comedy for a while now, but in the past, she hadn't wanted to appear on this podcast. Um, she didn't want to have to talk about her stand-up, which she has a, let's say, fraught relationship with. But thankfully, uh, she has a new comedy special that she is comfortable talking about. It's called Good Timing, and it is a sort of documentary about this comedy class for seniors she's been teaching for nearly two years. You get to meet the class, see their classes, and it all builds to a big final performance. Uh, honestly, I loved it. It was refreshing in like exactly what I needed when I watched it. But it makes sense for Joe, uh, who you might know from her time on The Tonight Show or from Joe Pair Talks to You, because as long as I've known her, she's just been doing unusual things in the name of comedy. And often I, I, I just think about how grateful I am that she chose to be a comedian. We're going to play a clip from Good Timing, which premieres on Peacock Friday, October 15th, in which Joe is talking to one of her students, Barbara Bova. So here is Joe Firestone. Okay. Eat pussy. It's organic. Eat what? Pussy. 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 Oh. Come on, Barbara. Make pussy her say it again. Come on, <laughs> Everybody, make her say it again. Did you have you done like performing arts or anything? No. So what got you to sign up for the class? Oh, I saw that and I said right away. I just 
I would love to do that. <laughs> really, and you've never done it before? No. In, in elementary school, I was always the one who like laughed and said funny things. Got in trouble for laughing all the time. <laughs> Once a teacher wrote giggles on my report card or whatever. <laughs> so what do you like about the comedy class? Uh, I just like that we're all together. We all contribute. It's just fantastic. Sometimes I am so awed by the answers that people give. Really, they are fantastic. I love those bar jokes. Oh, God. Who do you think would play you in a movie? <laughs> Oh, you know what, who just came into my mind? I don't know if it was because I thought of it or I just got a, a Sandra Bullock. <laughs> she funny? I am here with Joe Firestone. Thank you for joining me, Joe. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I want to, so let's start with this class. Uh, yeah. When did you start teaching the class? Uh, I started teaching the class, like, th I think three weeks before the pandemic hit, but... I think the first class was maybe, it must have been March or late February mm -hmm. of 2020. And then um, how? How? Why? Well, how did this happen? How? Why? How? Why? Yes. Uh, so I wasn't working at the time and I had no, uh, you know, it's like you don't have any prospects. You think I will, the time is endless and I will never get a job again. And then I thought... Um, Oh, I like I moved to this new neighborhood and I was like, well, maybe I'll teach because I've taught comedy before. Mm -hmm. uh, like I've taught at a senior center. I've taught at various places. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll start a class because it seems like they have programming. Like, mm -hmm. And so I started teaching a class and um, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize they I think the commitment was actually 13 weeks, which has um surpassed a long time ago because we just keep going uh but um yeah recently like um i had this uh one of the participants in the special and in the class like wrote a letter like about her experience in the class and in it she describes meeting me and she was like the first class we were asked to be put on the spot and um it was difficult, and the instructor seemed young, very young. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh oh. But now we're on, you know, it's we're in pretty good terms now. Yeah, now <laughs> they know you're old, very, uh -huh. very old. <laughs> yeah. Um, why you you said you've taught classes before? What what made what makes you even interested in teaching classes? And also specifically, like, why older people than like teaching kids comedy? Regardless of teaching, like, 20-year-olds, but, like, assuming yeah. those are the two options. Um, kids, I, you know, I've, uh, I think kids are very, very funny, but, um, and I know there's, like, a kids in comedy program that a few of my friends have worked at, and it's a really cool program, and, um, and so, yeah, I think with kids, it seems like you have to be really, like, there, there's a lot more organizing that goes mm -hmm. in, whereas I feel like with adults, it's a little bit uh, easier to kind of just hopefully be yourself and they'll just be like okay yeah i mean i guess we'll <laughs> give you the benefit of the doubt and um and i think generally if you taught a comedy class to 20 year olds they'd probably be wondering how to um it seems like it would be more of like a how to get successful mm -hmm. in comedy and i i question that a lot and i i don't know how i sometimes don't know how 
it's very hard to tell anybody how to do it because it's it's a miracle that it happens for anyone. And like you're like, <laughs> am I doing it? I don't know. And so I think that I was hoping to teach a class for people that maybe had already done a lot with their lives and maybe were just looking for something entertaining to yeah. a way to spend their time and to uh, low pressure, you know. And um, some of them are, you know, comedians. They do a lot of stand-up and classes and stuff. But for the most part, it's people that, you know, maybe worked for the government for 50 years and now are like, yeah, why not? How many total people are they in the program, in your program? In the program, there are, I think, um, I think there's like 24 people that regularly show up. But in the, the you know, a few of them had um, pride. And so it, only 16 people are in the special. <laughs> Got it. So these classes, you know, what, since you're still doing it, but what were they like? What are the classes like? What are you doing? Like, how do you how do you teach these people to do comedy? And at this point where you're teaching the same people, like, how are you training them to sort of like be comedic mm -hmm. artists? Yeah, I mean, I'm not teaching stand up by any means. I wouldn't claim that I'm not. I don't even know how to do stand up at this point. But I, I think that um, I'm, just, I'm encouraging them to feel comfortable with themselves and to like say whatever they're thinking and, uh, and be as honest as possible. Mm -hmm. And usually that gets a pretty good response in the group. And um, yeah, I mostly just do exercises that I think like, it's basically like a panel show every Monday morning at 10 a.m. where I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing you'd say to a new bride? And then everybody says something horrible. And then it's like, there should be a laugh track, but it's like, yeah, it's basically just like activities like that. And then there's a homework assignment and then they share the homework assignment. Food jokes or sex jokes? Food? Did you say food? Yeah. Food. Okay. Sex. Okay. Food. Okay. Food. Sex. Orlando, you have not voted. No, I, I go for sex jokes. Okay. <laughs> Barbara, you got one? I got one, a quick one and then I need help with the second. Okay. Or, uh, two peanuts were in a bar. One was assaulted. <laughs> One was a what? Assaulted. Two penises? Peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> so the other one is that if you get locks in the morning, a pop will freeze you at night. The soda pop with locks, bagel in the morning. Freeze a pop at night. I, I told you it needs work. Okay. <laughs> Well, anybody have any uh, anything to add about bagels and locks or freezer pops? Oh, well, I say I tried to push it off to get the lick, but it went back down. <laughs> oh, that is good. That's good. Oh, oh. When the cook made a cheeseburger, I told him I needed a hamburger, and he said, do something with the cheeseburger, so I threw it at him. Is that a glad to see me in your pocket? Making sex on a Sunday is a bad choice. Sex makes my hair curly. A good pastrami sandwich is as good as an orgasm. Can you think of a story that, that sort of captures a typical class moment or, or anything like that? Um, I, there's, oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> well, um, I guess there is like a woman that, uh, that, like um, dyes her, she started dyeing her hair blue over the course of the pandemic. Because like, mm -hmm. a lot of people st stopped dyeing their hair, and she is, so she decided to start dyeing it blue because it was easier to do at home and it looks very cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, 
one time I offhandedly was like, all right, sometimes I tell them about my life in comedy and they're like, what? Why? And so like I told them about how I got graded at UCB, how they gave their grades and I keep threatening that I'm going to grade them. And so I was like, okay, you all get extra credit if next week you come in with blue hair like tequila. And Mm -hmm. then uh, uh, I forgot that I said that. It was like an aside. And then I came back the next Monday morning and I opened the Zoom and one guy had dyed his beard blue. And then another guy had went out and bought a blue wig. It was so beautiful. And everybody was like, (laughs) it was very exciting. It seems like you... If you met all these people individually, you wouldn't necessarily think that all of them are friends. Yeah. Like, they're not very similar at all. Like, none of them are very similar, uh, like, except for their age group. And so it is very sweet to see them, like, bonding and kind of doing things for each other, like, buying each other, like, socks that are an inside joke or, like, dressing up like each other. And, like, it's just, like, that's very sweet to see. And it's very funny. It's like you've created, like, your own local comedy scene of just these people. (laughs) It does feel like it is definitely a scene. Um, Yeah, I think that, like, it's also kind of like now some of them are more interested in comedy. So they're, like, going to other comedy shows. And, like, I'll... Like, if I hear about somebody going to a comedy show, I'm like, do they wear a bucket hat? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, okay, I think I know who that is. And, like, it's kind of fun to, like, see everybody kind of branching out. And, like, one woman went to a comedy show at Littlefield. Mm -hmm. And she came back. And she was not – she could not stop talking about the brilliance of Irene, too. And it was, like, so – it was so fun to hear that, like, Irene, too, like, made this impact on this woman. And, like – and, like, that – but I was like, at one point, I'd be like, please, you have to stop talking because it's just not fair to the rest of the class. Like, everyone else should check out Irene for sure. But it was like, she couldn't get over how incredible and like brilliant and incisive and like yeah. that Irene was. And it was like kind of just a weird, cool, like crossing of all these uh, like worlds. It was great. So what what were you expecting going into it or from doing it? And, and what what were you surprised by? Um, I think that, like, going into it, I thought that they might be more suspicious of me. Or, like, they might be like, are you actually teaching anything? But, and that's a valid point. But I think that (laughs) what I'm surprised by is how willing they are to do things and, like, to, like, try new things and to act stupid and go blue and... Like, Kevin mm-hmm. Iso came and did, like, a guest class once. And sometimes I bring in people to do guest classes. And Kevin, I was like, because they are a little bit blue, especially mm-hmm. for, like, a Monday morning. And I was like, yeah, Kevin, they're kind of comfortable going blue, whatever you want to do. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he's like, <laughs> it's like the first exercise. He was like, okay, I want everybody to do a joke about getting eaten out. <laughs> and then everybody had one. It was, like, incredible. And it was it was, like... Uh, it was just like, yeah, the, these people are like, uh, like down for anything and as a way to start their week is kind of amazing and that they're still showing up even though like things are started opening back up. It's kind of, it's, it's fun. Considering that you're only thinking of doing it for, I mean, since it's like, you're assuming it was a 13 week thing and it's been going on for two years or whatever, almost. <laughs> almost two years, yeah. <laughs> 
what did you find yourself getting out of it or were you surprised to get out of it? You know, like you're doing it between you're like, oh, I don't have anything going on. And then as the world is opening up again, it's like, what do you find yourself as it's like Sunday night? You're like, OK, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and do this class. Like, what is what are you finding just from the class part of it you're getting out of it? I mean, I think it's, like, they're definitely more prolific than I am. Like, they do these assignments every week, and I, like, haven't written a new joke in, like, four months. So, like, I think it's, like, very inspiring in that way where I'm, like, wow, I should write as much as they write. And um, also, like, this is just, like, another th- – they're very active in email in a way that I'm, like um, – like, I get – I probably get an email every day. And, like, that's, like, kind of nice, like, to have people that are all – like – it's like I got like 24 new friends and like they're yeah. really active and communicative. And like, um, I think that it's like sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do as terms of an activity. Like this, this thing will bomb. This is not going to go over mm-hmm. well. They're not going to have anything to say to this. But um, for the most part, they're pretty forgiving of the activities. Yeah, since we played in a clip, I want to talk a little bit about Barbara Bova to use an example of your student. So, you know, who was she before the class or sort of what was her relationship to comedy or her own comedy? And how has she developed, do you feel like? She is really into looking up jokes on the Internet. And she's really into one-liner jokes. And she loves bar jokes more than anything. I've never met somebody that loves bar jokes so much. And um, she's she's like a positive force of nature. And uh, I don't know. She's like really quick. And like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think she's getting busier. Uh, like she's kind of going out in the world now. And so she's a lot of times wearing her mask on the Zoom. And like there's she's in strange offices and stuff. And she's just like her commitment is really impressive. But I think that she's just like she's really quick and really dry. And I think. She makes everyone laugh in the group. She's a good person to have around. Did she think she was funny before the class? Like she, and and do you feel like she thinks she's funny now? I feel like I don't remember who it was in the in the special. There's someone who was like, "Oh, I never thought of myself was funny," and you were like, "Well, I think you're funny." Like I can't remember who it was, but like, is she a person that like from doing it realized, "Oh, like I I am funnier than maybe I even realized." And maybe I yeah I don't know. That would be a good question for her. I think that she has definitely gotten more confident and she's like she seems pretty fearless to me in a way that I'm like I think that she's always liked to laugh and yeah. it seems like um she's always been she's very involved in her temple and so like I think she makes jokes at her temple and so this was kind of like I think a step in the more like solidifying the the interest did a lot of these people have joke jokes like it, I did it change your relationship to hearing like jokes, like regular jokes, set up punchline jokes? I feel like comedians, it's obviously not what most comedians are spending their time doing. Like, did it be like, oh, jokes are fun. They're nice. People like these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that jokes are fun and nice. Yes. Also, like there was a while where you like heard all of them and I don't think you hear them anymore, really. Like, it's just mm. not a very common way to do comedy anymore. It's just like kind of set up punchline and um or at least like not in yeah this like i think it's like more of like mm, character and personality based comedy now and so like it is kind of like um interesting to hear that kind of pattern and yeah yeah there was 
uh, one joke that we had to cut because it was so. Mm, <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, it was so offensive. I like could not. Um, I couldn't put that in, but it was. I won't say who said it, but basically, it was my girlfriend uh, once. Um, wants me to talk dirty to her, but I feel weird saying that stuff to a 12-year-old. And, like, the whole camera crew was like, <gasps> like, it was just like, all of us were like, what? What? And it was like, it was so sh shocking and upsetting and also just, like, truly surprising to hear that, especially with the age gap. It, you know, it's really, a, it's a lot to take in. And uh, we did have to cut it for sure, for sure, no question. But it was, it was a memorable moment. So talk about having the idea to do this special and then how to, how it then developed to be this version of that idea. Well, we, I think that Julie Miller directed it and we were like, well, we'd love to do something with them. Because I did, t I used, I asked two of them to be in a different thing I did. The um, cookie thing. Yes, in the in Rate the Cookie for Adult Swim. And they were so funny and so fun. And uh, so I thought that it would be great to film something with them. And um, they, and I've done like, I did a podcast with some of them. And so like every time I've gotten them involved in something, they've been so hilarious that I thought, oh, it'd be great to do something, especially with everything opening up again. And then um, Delta hit and we were like, eh! and then uh, we were like, just, you know, tried to do this as safely as possible. And uh, yeah, Peacock was like looking to do more experimental specials. Mm. And so it like, yeah, but it, I think like it was a hard time selling it. Yeah, for sure. Nobody, nobody what? wanted it. <laughs> well, first, I want to ask about at least the question part. So it's like. In the clip we played, you ask her a variety of questions and you ask her who would play her in a movie. And it reminded me of the joke that you have about uh, what famous people pe people think you look like. I get more affected by strangers than I do like friends or family. Like if if I'm halfway at the door on my way to the club and my mom's like, uh, you're wearing that jacket with that haircut? Honey, you look like Michael Moore. <laughs> I'll be like, he's good at what he does, you know? It doesn't even, like, water on a whale just runs right off me. But if I'm, like, walking down the street and a stranger's like, move, I'm like, I gotta move. I gotta move to another state. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't like strangers. I, I, I take cabs a lot. And uh, I don't normally talk to cab drivers because they're strangers, you know, except to tell them my home address. And um, I, uh, well, sometimes I do start with a joke. Sometimes that's, that is something, like sometimes I'll open with a joke and it goes like this. It works about 15% of the time. You're welcome to use it. Uh, you, you get in there and you, you say, hey man, uh, you must have a lot of friends because everybody's been waving at you. <laughs> and and sometimes they laugh and sometimes they say what and then you get to tell the whole joke again <laughs> this does not work for apps <laughs> don't try it with apps this does not work for apps 
Um, but I, I got in a cab the other night and I didn't do the joke. I was really chill. And uh, this this guy, he starts driving me home. He starts looking at me. He's like, hmm? and I'm like, oh no. And he's like, hmm? and I'm like, oh no, no, no. And, and he keeps looking at me like, hmm? you know, and uh, and I'm like, no. And then he's like, he's like, I got to tell you something. And I was like, no. And uh, he he goes, he goes, you look like a celebrity. I mean, what a relief, you know? And that's that's a great thing to tell someone, especially a woman in this country. They only make the pretty ones famous. But it's it's such, it's so nice. Has anyone here gotten a celebrity look-alike? Yeah. Who? What did you get? I got uh, Shoshana. What do you look like? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? You. Can I just repeat what you just said? Uh, you have really similar eyebrows and people get lost in the similarity or in the eyebrows themselves? A little bit of both. No. <laughs> I just, I've never looked at anybody's eyebrows in my whole life. I don't know. How many people notice people's eyebrows? Well, you got Whistler. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that. Do you look like Shoshana for the listening audience? I'm sorry. I'm talking to. I've got to talk to your neighbor. Uh, do, does she look like Shoshana? Was that you pretending to be your neighbor? talking to your neighbor. This is for facts only. Neighbor? 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 Neighbor, say hello. Neighbor. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Neighbor, are you there? Wait, wait, you're not that. Are you sitting next to Shoshana? Who's Shoshana? Oh my God, I thought you were two rows back. Okay. <laughs> okay, still took you a long time. Um, neighbor. Yes. Does Shoshana look like Shoshana? I guess we got to the bottom of it. <laughs> Always follow a trail. Always worth it. Always worth it. Always worth it. This is what, that's what Sherlock Holmes had to do, and that's why he used cocaine. <laughs> you guys know that? He did. Uh, in the fictional book, he did. Uh, um, anyone else get a celebrity lookalike? Let's do this again. Anyone else? Yes. Who? Ron Weasley. <laughs> Can you step into the light? <laughs> Come on a little further. We can Come on. Here we go. Oh, you do. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, good. Yes. Wow. Wow. That was good. That was really good. I don't think we can beat that. Shoshana, take note.
I guess uh, I get celebrity lookalikes from time to time. It kind of goes on a range between uh, Julia Roberts and uh, Debbie Downer. Uh, kind of depending on if it's raining. But it was a dry night that night, that, uh, and uh, I was feeling pretty cute. You know, like I was like, wait, which celebrity do you think it is? And like, uh, he was like, oh, I can't remember their name. And I was like, wait, tell me, don't tell me, wait, tell me, don't tell me. And I was kind of like flirting with him. It was gross. Like, I was kind of like pawing at the plastic between us, you know? Like, I was really acting like the green M&M. <laughs> I was really into it. And it's because I'd forgotten that strangers are out there to punish you. I, I'd forgotten that, that strangers don't care about you. And uh, because you want to know who he said I look like? Yes. Oh. Anyone have a guess? You won't hurt me. <laughs> Last time someone said I look like David Spade. <laughs> And they didn't put young before it. <laughs> Joan Cusack. Christine Brown. All of these are great. <laughs> Wonderful women in show business. Again, I mean, would that be a story? No. Bony Myrtle. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the character? Or the... Idea. <laughs> Harry Potter. No, I understand Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> That'll explain everything. I'll just say Harry Potter. <laughs> no, not moaning murder. Does anyone have another guess? Miss Frizzle. Miss Frizzle. Yes. Don't do that. <laughs> auction <laughs> Mrs. Frizzle I mean what a world but no I did not get Mrs. Frizzle uh, she is married by the way she found someone no you want to know who he said This man said I looked like Finding Nemo. <laughs> Get a good look, take it in, see if you see the same. I said what and he said the movie with the fish I said the whole movie not a character from the movie the whole movie animated feature film with almost no humans in it he goes yeah I stand by it like it was rude of me to question him I don't even like that movie anymore. It ruined that movie for me. I still kissed him. <laughs> I wasn't happy about it. And though that's not the same, but it feels like you're getting a similar thing out of these people of like w what the relationship is to 
celebrities and I guess their image of self. What what do you like about that question? And, and in general, what were your goals of the questions when trying to like display who these people are, knowing that you're only going to have like such small snippets? Mm, I think I just tried to like ask questions that um, would like, yes, get to know them, but also like show their goofier side. I think mm -hmm. a lot of them are very, very silly people. And so I was trying to get uh, like, give them some room to kind of be themselves and make jokes. And so, yeah, I think uh, we <laughs> we also did not expect her to say um, uh, Sandra Bullock. That was kind of that was a delightful surprise. And um, yeah, I think that like it was um, she uh, there was like so much we had to cut from her interview, like. Uh, like I just asked at one point I asked her like what her favorite food was and she described quiche in a way that I'll never I'll never forget it, she talks about the eggs and the cheese and she talks about the mushrooms and the spinach and I was like I would really love this in and there was no way to get into it <laughs> and so but it was like I could hear her talk about quiche for hours um, I heard you once say, uh, you're talking about crowd work, but you're basically like, you think sort of everyone is pretty funny. They just don't know how to put themselves in a situation to be funny. Like they, they don't know the setup. If you put them on stage, they don't know how to get into the parts where they're being funny. Can you talk about that? And, and, and partly how do you try to make sure you're putting them in situations where they can be funny and like, why, what are your, your goals with that? Um, yeah, I think that basically you just want to make people feel, um, comfortable being strange, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, not, like, I guess not off-putting, but kind of their very unique selves is, like, kind of the goal in terms of what I'm trying to do with, with crowd work or with yeah. kind of these kind of participation shows or whatever is, like, and with, the, with this group, it's just kind of, like, these activities that I... Uh, had them do i i'm grateful they did them but it's like this <laughs> kind of thing where it's like at one point i asked them to come up with uh different names for um dog feces and like you could tell a lot of them did not want to do that at all and but they were so good at it and they came up with such good ideas and like then they would hear other people say ideas and then they would come up with weirder ideas for um ways to talk about dog crap and like uh yeah just kind of i think that if you hear anybody say their honest opinion and they're not in a terrible mood usually it's pretty relatable and funny yeah it was like a writer's room pitching for nothing right it's just sort of like okay we need a description we need a funny description and then they're just doing it no end in sight they're just sort of like all right cool we all need to think of this because that's like what the assignment is <laughs> Um, what was the actual show like? Uh, the show was, uh, it was nerve wracking. I was like a little nervous about it because like, the, uh, I just wanted everybody to do well. And I was like, um, I like hoped that the, like, cause the audience was like all masked and they were kind of like herded in like they do for any mm -hmm. comedy special where the audience is tr treated like cows and, you know, you try to like be warm and excitable and um yeah but i i was like so relieved when everybody did well like 
I everybody got laughs, which was like definitely a, a relief because I think a lot of them were very nervous about it. Yes, yeah, terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it would be low stakes, but um, I was like, yeah, it'd be low stakes. It's like two in the afternoon. But then somebody recently pointed out, they're like, well, it's there's like five cameras running and it's going to be on TV. So, no, it's not really low stakes. It's like, yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah, and they've never done stand-up before. Yes, yeah. A lot of it is is me not really understanding the... <laughs> I brought like a deck of, of Uno, Uno cards. Like, I was like, yeah, just relax, have fun, play cards. And all of them were like... <laughs> it was like not, um, not an Uno playing crew. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> How much time did they all do? Four minutes each. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you decide what to showcase of everyone? Well, we tried to make sure that everybody got like a moment or two or three in, throughout the special. Like we wanted to showcase everybody, obviously. And um, the yeah, but sometimes I think that it's like uh, there's like some people that did more of like a story or more of like a themed presentation. And then um you know, we couldn't like take a snippet of it without it seeming a little bit like um, you needed like the setup yeah. and it's like a longer walk. So we sometimes had to only include like a one liner from people. But yeah, we tried to give a little something to everybody. What was what your favorite thing that got cut? Or what's a favorite thing? I don't want you to choose side just in case any of them listened to this podcast. <laughs> um, well, there was a... Uh... <laughs> One one woman made this, um, her whole bit was a commercial for a new product called, what, uh, I think it's called Wonder Wiki Wipes. And it's a new product that her doctor recommended her because her eyelids sweat so much. And <laughs> the whole story was about how her eyelids sweat and it, you couldn't use a handkerchief, and you can't use a bandana. And then she found the Wonder Wiki wipes, and she made this whole tissue box. It's really beautiful, the whole thing, but we could not figure out a way to... But it's... Wonder Wiki wipes will... I'll remember that in my head for, for a long time. So, like, did they pitch you what they're going to do, and you're just like, okay? Like, did... Or was this... Ultimately, they, they did their thing, and you just sort of talked it through with them. No, I didn't talk it. I, I was I was going at it from a place where I was like, "What would I want if I was doing this show?" And mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to go through my material with someone and get their approval or get notes before doing it. Yeah, that might have been the wrong thing to do. But I was <laughs> just kind of trying to like give them the benefit of the doubt to kind of make their own thing and to kind of um, be in charge of like their own vibe. And yeah. They definitely all made different choices. No one did something similar. Yeah, I mean, I think especially for what your purpose, as you described this class, the goal is not teaching people how to be like a touring club comedian. The goal is to be like, what happens when you have 24 people who are not comedians, like try to figure out what comedy means to them? Yeah, and some of them are like, some of them do do a lot of shows and stuff. And, and they add a lot to the group because it's like they're kind of, like pulling these punchlines and stuff and it makes people like i think it makes people they're like oh yeah we can do even like harder jokes and i think it's it's a good um it's a good dynamic going on yeah so 
this is a comedy special. Uh, when people think comedy special, you know, it's like usually a person talking by themselves on stage for an hour. Mm-hmm. And and I was also thinking about how uh, in the past you you were, uh, let's say, less interested in talking about your material on this podcast when I asked, which mm-hmm. is a totally okay thing. <laughs> I'm not bad at you. But you're open to talk about this. So, uh-huh. um, and I should note on the record, I really enjoy your stand-up. So this is nothing oh, against thanks. your stand-up. <laughs> But in what ways is this uh, this as a Joe Firestone comedy special a better representation of your comedy and your com- comedic perspective than an hour of you doing stand up? Mm, I, I guess I don't. I guess this is, this pandemic has been um, uh, a lot of things, but I learned a lot. Of, I don't really like to be. Um, I, I like. I don't really like love to be on stage by myself I don't really like to talk for an hour I don't I I think that it's easier for me to talk with other people and bounce off other people and like I think if you were like do you want to put together a show of 70 people and they all have to do like different Liza Minnelli impressions I'd be like or do you want to do an hour of stand-up I'd be like Liza Minnelli I think that there's like something that gets me jazzed about getting people on board and kind of showcasing people and yeah maybe i should um work for just for laughs i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) well i wanted to give people context i want to take a step back and talk about your shows your your, the shows throughout the years all the shows that you've done that are idea driven shows Uh, i've been to many of them can you list some to give people a taste uh yeah definitely um well there was um there was motherfucking bingo. That was a bingo night where everybody got a nickname, and that that kind of imploded on us. There was um, there was let's see, there was um, there's friends of single people. That's like where people represent single people in a dating game, and mm-hmm. um, after it was like comedians represent single people, and and they don't always. They're not always so nice to the single people, but sometimes matches have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I made Punderdome with my dad. It's like a pun competition. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, There's the... When you did the comedy show for dolls. Oh, yeah, I did a comedy show for dolls. Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I had a bunch of dolls sitting in a little comedy club in this, like, storefront window, and people... If you looked in, you would just see an adult talking to a bunch of baby dolls that would either laugh or cry, depending on the joke. And, um, yeah, one time somebody brought a gun in there, and then I was like, what am I doing? And, and um, yeah, there's lots of kind of fun stuff like that. Was one where there's like, punching bags or something? Oh, yeah, there was one where, yeah, people just hit, hit shit for, like, five, six hours. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. I felt bad because I had, um, it, well, like we had a bunch of stuff like inflatables and paper mache people could smack for six hours, but then like kids found out about it, and so kids were hitting the stuff. And then I had Chris Duffy and Michael Wolf. They were supposed to be there as like human punching bags, and they got they got hurt. And it was it was there was a lot going on there. Yeah, <laughs> there there was a comedy festival in a uh uh car wash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that basically, I think it's like very funny to have kind of chaotic situations, and um, 
and like having people kind of take things like if you set the stage just seeing where people go with it and like there's this one moment in the special that it was like they all get on this like they didn't know there was going to be there's a party bus and they all get on this party bus and so like I'm like okay it's you know you can sing songs you can like pump each other up and so they all were taking turns singing songs and then Bibby Elvers, she was like, I know a song. And she starts singing John Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt. And I was like, this is the most perfect moment of my whole life. Because <laughs> everybody started singing. I don't think we even included this in the special, but literally everybody was singing John Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt. I hadn't heard that song in 30 years. And they had like multiple verses and like little call out numbers. And <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was witnessing considering these like when you're doing any of these the projects what how do you what is success and what is sort of not success when you're judging you know like when you when people think of like a good stand-up show they know what that means when you're doing a thing like this what is what does success feel like what is sort of like oh this one didn't totally work feel like like I did I've done a few that have really really failed in big big ways and like obviously if you're doing this kind of chaotic stuff it's gonna a lot of times end end badly and so, um, but I think that like what you want is for people to kind of, um, I guess like walk out of there feeling like kind of excited, like right mm -hmm. where it's like you, f like you walk out feeling like you just went on a roller coaster. And so it's like, is a roller coaster successful? I don't know, but it's like, it's not, maybe it'll make you laugh or maybe it'll feel like in, uh, I don't, like I remember one time I did this. Uh, show with with Joe Para, and it was called the Celebrity Something Experience, and we rented a limo, and so we each did half an hour. And during the half an hour, the other person would take out groups of seven from Union Hall and take them on a limo ride around the neighborhood. And so, like, we did it until everybody had had gotten yeah. a chance to go in the limo, and then I was doing my half hour, and then Joe takes out the last group of seven. And then he he took them to McDonald's, and then he left them there. <laughs> and he paid the limo. The limo driver was told to leave them there. And the McDonald's, it was on Vanderbilt. It's not that close. These people were angry. <laughs> and they, they paid for a show, and then they got dropped off miles away from their friends. And like this... <laughs> They walked back. People had walked back to Union Hall and they were like, what the hell was wrong with you? That's not okay. And so that stuff like that, you think, okay, that's, um, that was a mistake. That was, uh, that was not right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then, um, then I think the next day I was, I ran into somebody, um, I knew at a restaurant and he was on a date with someone who had just been to that show and she was like, not into the show and, and she was like oh weird i was just talking about you and i was like oh okay. so i you know it's it, i can understand why it would piss people off or it would make yeah. people like feel uncomfortable but the hope is that everybody's kind of in this and kind of feeling like uh it's kind of like a wild bride experience what does it feel like when you have an idea that is like any of these things and to be like i'm going to do it and i'm going to see it through like what is that I like 
not people have ideas sometimes maybe like and i saw a lot of comedians like oh what if we did a show and there's no audience but then whatever and then they don't do it what how does it feel like in your head and you're like what if there's a comedy club of dolls what would that be and then you sort of spend a month until then you do it and then it what does that feel like um okay so you just i just i think of something and then i i do it immediately i don't think it through as much as I should and I do it immediately and try to get it up and then um and then um I guess when it's being released to the public that's when I start to think oh this was a mistake and then um yeah that's yeah. when I start to regret it and really think about what I've done but I, the the beginning stages are very quick for me it's the regret afterwards that stays longer the, the thing that I, I feel like knowing you doing these shows and the time that there's happening it always felt like i related to this like i don't know what it is like you have an idea and there's something there's so much momentum to having that idea and all you can think about is that idea and like if there's any roadblock then you're like, well, I'm not gonna do that idea. But if you could, if you can, like this podcast was sort of like, what if I did a podcast? And everyone's like, yeah, all right. And then sort of next thing you know that I've been doing yeah. a podcast for five yeah. years. Yeah. And, <laughs> is, that, is that what it like? It's like, it's like, it's, it's like, it's kind of compulsive but it's also like, oh, I'm not gonna, if I can not think about anything else and only think about this idea, then then this is like, great. I will, I love an idea that I can sort of like obsess over like that. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't think that anything that you make is going to be perfect, right? And it's like there's always going to be ways to tweak it. And I think that tweaking and ed editing and is really important. And I think that there's probably a middle ground between what I do and what what someone that takes a long time thinking about something does. But I think that it's like – I think there is something that helps your speed and helps mm -hmm. you actually accomplish something if you do – if you try to get through these initial stages quicker. Yeah. Because then and then at least you have something that you've made and then you can say, okay, this is what didn't work about this. This is what I'll never do again. This got somebody f physically injured. This is what I will never do. And so then it's like you learn from your mistakes and that sucks and that's <laughs> – it's, it's, um, it's unfortunate to make mistakes, but it does seem – inevitable for somebody learning how to make comedy or learning how to make art is just you're gonna fuck up yeah but there's the idea i mean like i like following through but the, having ideas is and knowing that people are gonna do it is like the most exciting thing in the world i remember we did a vulture festival and i was like what if oh what if casey wilson and adam paley did a bus tour um if something was like mentioned and i was like oh what if we did it? Like, what if we literally forced them to do it? And then they said they agreed to do it. And I wasn't on the bus and they had to do it. But it's just like, it was so exciting to know they were going to do it. Yeah. And they were probably excited. I don't know them, but they were probably excited to have something different to do. And like, yeah. I think that like those ideas that like, I think people have those out of left field ideas more often than they say they do. And it's like, if you tried those ideas, like what, what would your stuff look like? If you, tr if you tried, like, two more of those weird ideas. What do you think it is about you that doesn't have the part uh, that is like, oh, I shouldn't do that? Do you have any sense? You know, some kind of lobe or something, <laughs> I think, probably. 
I think I just, I like always feel like there's like a sense of urgency. It's like, oh, it's got to be done right now. And yeah, I, th- I think that way with like, with errands too. So it's like, it's just the, it's a bad part of my brain. But if it's like, we're at a dish soap and I was like, every day I was like, we gotta, we gotta get dish soap right now. And then <laughs> like that was, that was like Tuesday. It was just like, <laughs> I gotta find dish soap. And then I, I was yeah, like, I went to CVS and bought dish soap. I crossed off a list. I was like, that was, that was it. And, but it, I think it feels like that way with anything. Yeah. Um, before I go forward, just in case they're listening, the original idea to do the bus tour was Tara Abel's, and I don't want to take full credit for having the <laughs> okay. idea, and I don't want, and I don't want to think about constantly that this, anyway, she worked at Vulture at the time. Podcasts Moving, are hard, you know? I know. I was like, oh no, I actually took credit for it. And then next thing you know, you talk about how you're in the 9-11 uh, <laughs> Anyway, we'll be right back with more Joe Firestone. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Zell. The recruiter said all I needed to do was send $500 to cover mandatory safety training, and the job was mine. In a world where financial crimes are more and more sophisticated, there's a team that's got your back. Yeehaw! Come in, Safe Squad. We got a 10 3. Copy that, dispatch. We're on it. Hop in, Skip. We got a phony recruiter. Safe Squad. The crime drama everyone is talking about. I know it's only my first day, but that sounds like a pretty cut-and-dry job scam. Strap in, rookie. These days, criminals can even make it look like it's your bank calling. But that's where we come in. My what? It's my savings account. Compromised? No, I won't hold. No, I didn't authorize a $12,000 withdrawal. That's my life savings. Why don't you come with me? I'll show you how to report to the FTC. What payment platform did you use? Let's contact them, too. Don't miss the TV event of the season, Safe Squad. Hey, Ace. Yeah, kid. You're right. That was one hell of a first day. Learn how you can spot the signs of a scam so you don't have to call the Safe Squad by visiting www.vox.com slash HQ. Remember... Never send money online to people you don't already know and trust. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva! And we're back with Joe Firestone. So there are certain um, things that happen in a Joe Firestone idea. And the first is you're often not the one doing the performing. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's a pun competition that you laugh, you like make faces while people are doing pun. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and this, right? This, you are on the hook to say almost none of the jokes. and But mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's your thing. Mm-hmm. What is What is going on? 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, this is um yeah. Is that no, a, you make a, it, a, you make a good point. This is something that I've I've been told this before. This is this is problematic and pretty fucked up. But yeah, this is um I think okay, in okay, best case scenario, best case scenario, I'm like in my brain I'm thinking, well any but these people could do it better than I could. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from these people. And truth be told, if it's like I'm not a good clown, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. not good at committing to a bit. I I back out immediately. I'm a coward. I'm not good at like like being a character. I I think what would happen, like I think basically all I can really focus on and commit to is setting up mm-hmm. this situation and like actually participating. Like I I actually. I would do it badly is and I think that yes it does look bad and yes it is it's pretty it's wrong and but I think that um deep down I think I am trying to serve the show by mm-hmm. supervising and not doing anything but supervising it the way you describe it reminds me of remember when I had you act in that play that I mm-hmm. wrote and there's then I rewrote it and there was a part where they were singing and you were mm-hmm. like I, I can only do bad singing like mm-hmm. I can't do- <laughs> Yes this is the problem like, Great. This is why I can't be in plays This is a lot of I can't, I have very few actual talents and one of them is p- putting on uh put putting other people into a situation but I I was I was surprised that I was asked to be in that play because I I am very bad at committing to something, uh, committing to the bit, as they say. You did a great job. You remembered all the words. I did remember all the words. Yeah, I that's still like most of it. Yeah, I you still, still remember the words. No, I well, I think about there's there was like a one section about um, mochas and the salt bagels, and yeah, I think okay. about that a lot. <laughs> and the paper, there was like a lot of like. T- um, senses evoked in this play and the, uh, like whenever i see a salt bagel i'm like jesse david fox <laughs> i really appreciate that You're you don't remember writing about salt bagels and mochas honestly no i remember that the whole conceit was that one person didn't know what a play was and thought plays were all musicals and then for some reason <laughs> then they started being in a play and then it was set at a breakfast and like they discussed the weather and then one person and then you switch characters back and forth mm-hmm and they say, I love you a million times. And then there was a kiss. And I remember being like, it's so weird to make people kiss each other. And then <laughs> and then at the end, they sang um, that song from Wizard of Oz, they, you. <laughs> so yeah, there's something a about of, a, yeah, salt yeah. bagels with mochas as like a chocolate and salty thing. I, I just remember that was like their regular breakfast. That was like their breakfast, the character's breakfast. I love this. This is great. I I'm like that sounds good. This is well, like a good think, idea for a play. I think that you told me that you had that at some point. That was like your order at some point. But I I am always like kind of wondering how people eat salt bagels because they're the salt, salt is so salt. sharp. <laughs> yeah, the problem is it's not just salt bagels. It's like rock salt. It's like the salt you'd like put outside if it's gonna snow. Yes. No, I, it's like how you make ice cream. It's not edible salt. It's really hard salt. It's like peppercorns. It's not edible. So I don't know how people do this. <laughs> so the other element, and we talked about it, which is 
There's a, a chaos aspect to it. When things are being chaotic in whatever way, when, and you know, it happens in live shows, it happens like on Dr. Game Show where like the game gets away from you often will happen. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? What do you like about chaos? What, do you, what does it feel like to be in that for you? What, why is that sort of a sweet spot for you comedically? I think it's I think it's really funny to me. I mean, I think it's like some of the things I've laughed the hardest is hard at like I'm like I'll think it's really funny if I'm like carrying a heavy box up the stairs. Like if like moving makes me mm-hmm. laugh so hard cuz it's just so hard and uncomfortable and terrible and you're just carrying this heavy shit upstairs and nobody knows where they're going and everybody's pissed off. I'm sure there's something to do with childhood getting yelled at or something, (laughs) but and now I laugh at it. Is that are you calm when things are chaotic? Like when when a show is going, not even badly because this is what the shows are supposed to go. But like when shows are when there's all these things happening, are you like this is exactly I'm at peace in this in this right now? Yeah, I think so. I think that makes me feel pretty good. Like I did this one show called um <laughs> called zingers and this was a big this was a flop but so what they i was like the whole premise was like i didn't explain the premise to the people playing the game but basically they had to say these zingers mm-hmm. and once they said the zingers it would cause a reaction to happen and if they guessed all seven zingers they won the game sure of course and one of the reactions like whenever they said the word like points gary richardson would come out into the audience and start talking to people. And uh, Gary thought his bit would be to ask different audience members if they didn't wipe because it smelled like shit in different places in the audience. <laughs> and he, you know, if you get Gary going, he's going to go hard. And so he was asking everybody if they didn't wipe. And um, it was like, it was he wouldn't stop like he did he was supposed to come out and come back but he wouldn't stop he kept asking people whole swaths of people if they'd wiped and how good they wiped and um i thought that was like the best it could possibly go because the point's not to guess the zingers that'd be so boring (laughs) i'm gonna ask you this is gonna be i think it's gonna be the most controversial question of the interview um i want to ask you about two words and i want to hear honest reaction to these words which and these words are whimsical and quirky okay yeah i mean uh, that's that's the top two words that they put to to me and that's that's okay i did once i remember one time i went to a general at ifc and they were like we do not do quirky and i was like well me neither and that's uh but that's i think that's when uh you know, it's kind of like if you want to call it whimsical and quirky, then that's that's okay by me. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do, but I understand it comes off as Zoe Deschanel kind of style vibes. Again, I wasn't call. I just call them as other. I just hear, you hear the words that people use. Yeah, no, I I uh, I understand why it happens, and um, all I could do is keep making making the stuff that's. Um, true to me and you just hope that people stop uh, using those words but that's there's nothing i can do about mm-hmm. it maybe i'll go for next time i'll go for wicked and satirical 
to bring it back to the special, I want to tell you a little bit about my experience, which is like I feel like I watched it at a time where I really needed it. Uh, I was feeling really bad about comedy after watching a, a certain stand-up special that came out fairly recently um, that made me very upset. And I don't know, there was something really inspiring and it was like a great reminder of what comedy can mean for people. Like these, these your your students like loved laughing and having comedy and having jokes. And uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, and I think for a lot of people who, get into this, you know, you, you, you grow up and comedy is really important to you for whatever reason. It's like a powerful force in your life in terms of feeling better or saner or more connected. And then you perform and it's hard not to grow more cynical as like, there's the industry and money and whatever. And then hopefully there's things that remind you of like what comedy can do. So this is all to say first, thank you, because I, this was, it was very good to have this when I got it. Um, but can you walk me through first what comedy meant to you when you were younger? What has it felt like, especially as you've gone further and further into performing and 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 if this special reaffirmed or made you realize anything? Three parts. Great. Love it. Okay. So when I was younger, I think that, you know, I was kind of, um, I, yeah, I was, uh, I got, you know, I've uh, got, you know, the standard D's, the depression, the <laughs> delights uh, that uh, that's like, I, I think that when I would watch comedy or make jokes with people, it felt like a reprieve from that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, medicine. But I, I also think that it was like this... Um, I kind of thought that like, oh, if I can do comedy, then maybe like... I won't feel as sad. Other people won't feel as sad. Very altruistic. Really good. <laughs> and then, and then, like, I didn't really even understand the industry. It's like, there's no one in my life did it. There was no, no connection. It's like, and so, um, I, like, the first stand-up comedians I saw in person were Stone and Stone. And I was like, I guess all comedians are twins. Like, they, I, I, they came to my school and they did stand up and they were like the scene is tough but it's it's there's a few different scenes you can choose your scene and I remember just being like this is it these are the people and and I I don't I don't see them anymore I wish I did see them more often but sometimes I watch their videos uh but yeah I think that like I didn't really understand the industry at all and I just started doing these shows and doing kind of what I thought was funny and um doing other people's shows and then i i kind of learned about the industry as i was in it as and it like definitely made me more feeling more uh just kind of suspicious of myself and Mm -hmm. um kind of lost sight of a lot of (laughs) why i was doing it because it's like you're just you do the same set and you just kind of are like why am i hustling what's the point of this and um and then like over the pandemic I didn't really do a lot of zoom shows or anything I didn't do any shows and any live shows at all and um I didn't really miss it and mm-hmm. I this the thing that was like kind of scratching that itch sorry for that expression but like was like kind of being with these people that really were excited to do comedy and like yeah. really loved comedy and loved like laughing 
at each other and stuff. And I think that it did make me feel like it's still an enjoyable thing. It's not all like trying to, there's like a big thing in comedy about like speaking the truth and being, and it's like, yes, that's true. And I think that some people do that well. And, and I think that there's a lot of different kinds of comedy these days and there were very different camps and it, this class and these, like the people in the class kind of made me realize that like, mm, you don't, you can just do comedy and it'll be fun and it can yeah. be fun. And it's like, it's not really about like the accolades are cool and it's cool to get paid, but it's not, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to make you feel okay going to bed at night. Yeah. Yeah. Watching this as, and I was watching it as at this point was like researching and listening to you on other podcasts. And you said something like the best feeling in the world is making someone you love laugh. And then you say, so you have to trick yourself into loving the audience who you're naturally afraid of. Mm -hmm. And I was watching this and I couldn't think of like, she seems to be having so much fun, especially like compared to sometimes when I feel like you doing stand up. I don't when it's you solo. Like I think yeah. when you're hosting Butterboy with with Maeve and Aparna, it's like it's a similar thing. But it, but I was like, oh, sh most of the specials you laughing at these people. <laughs> like that's like that's like the premise, which is, again, very good and successful um, as you now are performing in different ways have has it influenced what you are doing when you're going out on stage mm, I think I just I think um I think that maybe I I guess I Carol I I don't I don't have as much like riding on it now mm -hmm. it's like if it goes well great if it doesn't go well okay then you know, and I think with COVID and everything, it just feels like it's like, it's good to get out of the house and it's good to see people. And, and that's kind of the best part of these shows these days, at least for me, it's like to see people and to see people that are excited about comedy. And it might not be the best 10 minutes of stand up and it might not be the best, like, <laughs> that I think that, but it's like, it kind of, it's made me appreciate more the like, the community of mm -hmm. people that do it and that appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I think that it's like kind of shifting what I really like to get out of it. It feels better to laugh and make someone else laugh mutually than to just stand there and make someone else laugh. I think that's so purely put, but I think a very, like, I, there, I feel like, there there is a way that especially the culture of stand-up gets cultivated it's almost like you the performer having fun is bad like it's worse like you're there for a job and mm -hmm. like and it's a work so you sh if you're having fun then you're failing in some ways and i think i feel like i've spoken to a lot of comedians who like remember that they like doing stand-up that's like why they got into it mm -hmm. and and also it's better for, it's like, is it, does it, it's hard to know if that means the audience will laugh more or less. And even if they do laugh less, like it's how you have a sustainable career is like actually like, oh, we're knowing that we're going to be connected because we're experiencing the same thing. It's not like I'm giving you something because it's my job. 
Right. And I, I think that also what... I think that some people are, are born to be on stage alone and to do hours and do television specials and have their own programs and stuff. And that is is like incredible. And some people are really got that in their bones. And I think that what I've realized I have in my bones is something maybe a little different. And it's, um, I think that there, I was happy to be able to make this and I was happy that yeah. there was room for this too. And, um, is it, is it a, is it a comedy special? Is it a short documentary? Is it a commercial for, Abrams Art Center. I don't know what it is, but it it was it was very uh, exciting to be able to make it, and it kind of felt miraculous. But yeah, yeah, it's funny that you say it because literally what I wrote down when watching it is that I was so grateful that this counts as comedy. That like, we, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like that I that we are in a time. Uh-huh. you as a comedian me as the person who has who gets to talk about comedy and interview comedians that comedy includes this like this is a comedy special released by people calling it a comedy special and and sure if you asked people who are doing the opposite they might be like that doesn't count but like yes. at least to enough people this counts and you know it's special it, we know it's yeah. special that's what it's, it is it's special it's one. yeah it's it's, 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 it's one it's a thing I showed it to um, a family member, and they were like, I was like, what do you think? And they were like, well, it's not funny. There's nothing that's funny about it. It's it's touching. It's touching. Not funny. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I think that it's, you know, I think, obviously, I think it's funny. I think that everybody, and it's funny. It is definitely more of like, you know, you're getting to know 16 people, and if you're if you just know me, you're getting to know sixteen other people in the course of a forty nine minutes. So it's like a lot of, um, you know, getting to know people, and um, you know, hopefully people enjoy it. What <laughs> it's, I think it'd be at what? How do I put this? You know, from out the gate, this is not this particular. You weren't doing documentaries where you're teaching sixteen people how to do stand up, but you're you. As soon as I know knew of you, you're doing uh, things like this, like stand up. You're doing stand up at the same time you're doing the that high school talent show thing oh, that you yeah. do with Dale, mm-hmm. which um, I'll just note. There's the part where you pretend to be a person doing the shape, doing that thing where someone's the hands shaving. Oh yeah, good memory. I was like, well, I thought it was the most. I was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I th- I was talking about it for years. Anyway, what gave you the sort of confidence or whatever or whatever to be like, I'm going to be a comedian. And that involves like these things, like including this. What or what is it? How do you feel about comedy that it should include these things? Do you do you like. I'm not I'm not going to put you in a situation where you have to like have a fight with like a club comedian, but like. I mean, yeah. yeah, What 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 is why should comedy be this? Also, I think it's just, you know, if it makes people laugh, then it's comedy. I think comedy is getting to be wider and wider every day with like, you know, with social media and all this stuff. And it's like it's always been there's always been weird people doing 
stuff alongside people doing normal stand-up. That's, yeah. it's always been the case. You look at like Judy Tenuta, you look at anybody, like there's people, there's been weird people forever, yeah. you know, and like have been doing comedy specials up the wazoo. Like this is like not a new thing, but it's like, I think that you, I think that it's like stand-up is great and I like comedy that you could see at a club and I like comedy you could see at Littlefield or mm -hmm. I, I think it's like it's all it really depends on what you want as an audience but all of it counts as comedy it's like yeah, yeah maybe it's not stand-up comedy but it's certainly comedy and uh, if it makes people laugh if it doesn't then what is it we don't know but it's a special <laughs> but it's like I think that it's um, yeah I mean I think that this is uh it's definitely not your standard special, yeah. but I think that that's actually, that seems to be a trend these days mm -hmm. is to not have, there's a lot of very strange specials out there. Um, are you are you still teaching a class and can you ever imagine uh, not teaching the class? I'm still teaching the class. Um, I don't, I yeah, I don't have any plans to stop it. I, every time I've like had a, gig or something I just try to keep doing the class and so far it's been workable and um yeah I mean as long as people keep coming to the class I'm still gonna teach the class and um teaching is that's a it's a bold word for it but <laughs> guide I don't know and so yeah everybody keeps showing up including me so we'll just keep going <laughs> <laughs> it's now time for the the final segment of this show it's called the laughing round it's like a, a a lightning round but because this is a comedy podcast i call it the the laughing round okay um good idea thanks um do you have a favorite joke joke um yeah uh yeah i do do you want to hear it yes please okay uh, a duck a duck walks into a bar and is like, uh, you got any guapes? And the bartender's like, no, get out of here. No. And then the next day, duck walks into the bar, same bar. It goes, you got any guapes? And the bartender's like, I told you we don't have any. Get out. If you come in here one more time, I'm going to nail your feet to the floor. And then the, um, the duck comes in the third day. He goes, you got any nails? The bartender's like, no. You go, you got any guapes? Pretty solid joke. <laughs> um, is there um, a joke from a, a, a comedian's joke, so like a, a joke broadly defined, um, that you wish you could steal? You saw them do it and you go, I wish that was my joke. I wish I got to say that out loud and no one would know that I stole it because it's a, my joke. It, but, is you know, is there a joke you'd wish you was yours that you could steal and have forever? Mm. I don't think I would want to steal it, but I think I would just want to have it on recording. Is um, Manolo Moreno used to do this joke that uh, was pretty awful called Snack Dick. And he would eat. <laughs> Somehow he would stick his hand through his own zipper and then eat potato chips. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> what is it? I don't know what it is, but it's yeah, something. I think that counts as a joke. Uh -huh. Um you watched Entourage during the pandemic and you mm. loved it so much. 
-hmm. what is your favorite joke or scene from Entourage? Comedic scene from the, the TV show Entourage. I, I think that maybe I watched it more as like, a, oh, this was what 2004 was like. So less, but less like, what is the moment that was like, this is, this is the Entourage to me. This has captured exactly what Entourage was. Anything Rex Lee did. I was like, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want out of the show is anything that he would do. Like, basically, when he's appeared, so he replaced an old, an Ari's other assistant, who was like a, there was like a bunch of beautiful women that play Ari's assistant, and then Rex Lee came in, and with such a commitment to the character, such a strange character, and like had to put up with so much abuse as the character, and was really so good that they wrote him back in for the next several seasons until he got his name in the opening credits pretty impressive stuff but he was i was like when i watched him i was sometimes you like you watch people and you're like that's the best person that's the best person that's ever acted like you like i felt that when i watched um i saw the guy that plays the hat priest he was moriarty and <laughs> in sherlock holmes and i was like that's the best actor that ever was there's nothing better and that's kind of how i felt about rex lee as well yeah do you have a, a short story of an interaction with a legendary comedian, living or dead, that you'd be willing to share with us? Well, I will say this was really exciting stuff. So, Turtle from Entourage, we follow each other on Instagram, Jerry Ferrara. Mm -hmm. I posted this trailer for the special. He posted it back. Oh, uh, he liked it. That was, I was the, wow. Yeah. We really did it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good story, right? That works. Yeah. It's just very funny. I thought they were like, oh, wait, before I forget, let me tell you this cool thing that happened. I, I didn't know we were necessarily thinking of Jerry Ferrara as a legendary comedian. Yes. <laughs> I see. What do you mean? All right. Last question. Um, can you think of a joke or bit or something you tried that didn't work that you will go to your grave and be like, I actually think this was funny and they were wrong. I'm sure you have many examples, but can you think of one that you're like, I really think that was funny? Um, the, uh, I guess, I, you know, I, I think that in the sense that if the audience doesn't laugh twice, I stop thinking it's funny at all. I don't have that much confidence. It's like goes in spurts. It's like a car that's <laughs> breaking. And so a lot of things I think I at one point thought were funny, but then were it was it was dusted out of me pretty quick. Um, I did think this one bit was funny and it never got laughs. And then I gave it to Joe Parra to do and then he got laughs and it pretty much pissed me off. But it was about... It was like an impression of if a dolphin had one wish, and the wish was to have human arms and legs, then you acted out what it was like, and people really didn't like when I did it, and they really liked it when Joe did it, and that made that made me angry or resentful. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. That's it for another episode of Good One. Good Timing premieres on Peacock on October 15th. You can find Joe's podcast, Dr. Game Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. Every Monday, Joe co-hosts the weekly comedy show, Butterboy, at Littlefields in Brooklyn. Follow Joe on Instagram at YoYoFirestone. 
Goodwin is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Godwin Shugishin did our theme song. Write, review, and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email and comments, questions, or laughing round suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox. You can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture in the Box Media Podcast Network. Be back next Thursday. Have a good one. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work.